0: Take your Bibles, please. Hebrews chapter 11. This will just be a jumping off point this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. I know I have a lot of time with each one of you college students in the choir time and other things, and always appreciate that, but it's always a privilege to be able to speak in chapel. And uh, God has definitely given me a burden. I'll just be upfront about that. Um, Last couple months, God's been putting a... Very definite burden on my heart uh, to preach to you all, and uh, young people. I think let me just say this right out of the out of the gate. I think you know that I love you, okay. And uh, this uh, this burden comes from a love for each one of you. And I really, I really just have been asking God for the last honestly, honestly, the last two months uh, to show us something even this time that He would have for us that would be life changing, even. As I've studied this message, it's been a life changing time. And I believe that each one of us, in light of literally what we've been singing about today, what Pastor's been talking about today, we're facing, folks, a different world. I was just telling somebody, I have no idea the world that my kids are going to be adults in. The amount of uh, wickedness, obviously, but The very strong reality that the U.S. might not be what it is today, and the lifestyle we have, and the persecution that will undoubtedly accompany all of this. And I'll tell you what, right now, in your seats, in your classroom, this is the time that God's trying to do something. And man, we've seen some great things. We've watched the staff, we've watched God do works in your hearts. We could enumerate some great things. But if I asked the question to you, if, I had, if you had to answer the question, is the student body Baptist College ministry where God would have it? I think the answer would be no. Because you know yourself, right? we very burdened that we obey God and what he wants. So this morning, I'm just going to cut right to it, this is what I'm going to be preaching on this morning, is the subject of obedient faith. Young people, we are in desperate need of an army of people, of ministers, who not just have faith or say they have faith, but actually show it by their obedience to the Lord. I know in this room, we'll talk about this as the the message progresses, I know in this room there are visions and there are dreams that God has given to each one of you. And I sat in this room, and I sat in our previous uh, room for chapel in the years that I grew up here at the college almost 15 years ago now, and I had those dreams. I had visions. I, God gave me things. But how do those things get fulfilled? How do you become a man of God, a woman of God? How do you become that? I will venture to say that every single day of your life, right now, you are creating the blueprint for the rest of your life. So every little decision, every single little reaction is a big deal. But I'm going to talk about faith this morning. We're going to launch from Hebrews 11, obviously the faith chapter. We're going to launch from there and go into quite a few other ones, so hold on tight. But before we get into that, I'm going to, I'm going to read a, a, a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I'm going to read a couple of them today. But this, here's one, a shorter one. He says this, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not to believe at all. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about the edge of water is poor faith at best. It is little better than a dry land faith and is not good for much. Young people, I dare say, and I'm going to talk about myself here as well, I dare say that all of us at some point in time, without meaning to, Discard the meaning of the book of, of this book by our lifestyle and what we do. Oh, I believe this and I believe that, and yes, you're a Christian and you are going to heaven. But the way you live your life, you have disregarded the book. You've disregarded what God has said. So, how is your faith this morning, young person? You know, I think before I preached a message on faith, and sort of it's kind of sort of in here, some of it is. A couple years back, and I think I did a trust fall with Steven Jr. I believe I. I think some of you, yeah. You ever know what, you know what a trust fall is? How many know what a trust fall is? Okay, did your anybody, did your dad ever say, "Okay, it's time"? My dad didn't do this, but I know some dads were like, "Okay, it's time, young man, to learn how to trust fall." Anybody? Do that? I know of a guy that did that and like started falling for like six, eight feet. Okay, just fall backwards. I'm not sure if that does the poor kid, but my first time I ever did it for my kids, I was on we were on the bed and. My daughter struggles with, you know, with trust aspect, okay? And so fear is definitely a, a big factor in her life. So she was there, and I'm like, Daddy's right here. Turn around and just fall back. And uh, I talked about, and you know, I was teaching her how to trust that Daddy was there. And I'm like, do you believe that Daddy's back here? Do you hear Daddy's voice? Okay. What did she do? As she was falling, she twisted her whole body to make sure I was there. <laughs> and then kind of fell halfway into my arms sideways. Is that true trust and faith in her daddy, not even close. My son got up there, I explained the same thing, he's like, yeah, boom, <laughs> just right straight back. You see the personality differences. Lauren eventually got it and it was, it was an amazing moment in her little, on her little, her little face when she just, she just literally just dropped back and she, the air went out of her and she was scared for a second and then daddy's arms ca- caught her and I, had, I made her drop a lot farther. Then we started doing it in a pool. We were traveling several times in a pool, and she would fall off the edge of the pool. And my son would do the same thing. And it's, it's an amazing moment when they realized they did it. They trusted that daddy was there. You know, how confident are you in your God right now? Well, Mr. Van, we just came out of the conference. Okay? That doesn't, that's not what I asked. That's not what I said. How confident are you in your God right now? Where are you in your, spiritual faith, in your spiritual walk? Is your faith shaken in any way? When faith is talked about, does it seem like a vague spiritual concept floating above our heads? Do you, as a Bible college student this morning, understand truly what faith is? Let me ask you a series of questions here. Sure. I want you to answer these in your heart. And I think you'll know the answers, but do you want a faith that sees real results? Or do you want a faith, notice my hands, a faith that only talks of future possibilities? Do you want a faith that believes in the impossible? Or do you want a faith that is stuck in the humanly possible? Do you want a faith that fulfills God-given visions and dreams? Or do you want a faith that stays mired in the what-ifs? And the maybes. Do you want a faith that results in miracles? Or do you want a faith. That can be humanly explained. Young person this morning. I want to challenge you. That each one of you. Can have a faith. That is obedient. To what God has for you in your life. And it can move mountains. God can use you to be a world changer. But there's things in the way. You know. I was just talking with somebody this weekend about the fact that a lot of times we focus on, and we, this has been a great focus, and I think it's been unbelievable. We focused on, recently, pornography. Well, what happened? I was talking to this, this one person, and they said, yeah, it seemed like when I had pornography as my, as in my life, that was the only problem I had. And then when I got it right, I felt right with God. Like, nothing else was the problem. Well, what was those, What's the issue? <laughs> There's still more things to deal with. And praise the Lord for that. And man, we got to keep going with that. Absolutely. All that we're doing in the Renew series, let's go. A lot of times, and I've seen this in my day-to-day working with the college students and other young people, is that sometimes when the big issues are dealt with, we kind of check the box in our spiritual life and think everything's okay. But how short of an account are you actually keeping with God, young person? How obedient are you to him? So I want to have three simple points this morning. Very simple. I'll give it to you right out of the gate, and we'll, we'll, we'll go with them. But Number one is faith-defined. Number two is faith-exemplified. Number three is faith-personalized. faith, personalized. faith Defined. I think we know what this means, but I'm going, to keep talking. I'm going to keep defining it as we go along in the message. What is faith? Faith defined. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Young people, let me put it this way. Faith is believing in the promises of God. Okay, now this is not blind faith. Right? If my if I told my son to say, hey, I want you to fall off the bed, okay? I didn't tell him I'd be there. I just say, you know what? Just fall off the bed. Why? Okay? If my son fell off the bed with me telling him that I wouldn't be there, my voice wasn't back there, I didn't give him instructions to help him know that I was there to to be there, uh, to, 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 to catch him. There's a blind, he'd be blind faith, and maybe I ran in. Maybe I was there to catch him. Maybe I wasn't. But if he was just falling off the bed, man, okay, blind faith. A lot of these religions, they have blind faith. Nothing happens. They use blind faith again. Nothing happens. You know, I, have you ever been shocked at how much faith these religions, these cults have? Much more faith than we do because it never works. You've watched those healing services with those evangelists? You know? You're healed. Poof. Whoops. Nope, not really. I watched one where <laughs> he couldn't walk. So they, they picked him up on the side. It was sad, unfortunately, humorous in the moment, but the guy picked him up. They picked him up with these big brother guys, picked this guy up. He couldn't walk. He said, You're healed. He falls down. He couldn't get back up. But then people are still thinking he's something. That evangelist. They have faith in him. Why do they have faith in him? It's a blind faith. It's not based on anything. Satan, obviously, is blind to their hearts, but I think of many cults and many religions that have just a blind faith in something that is literally impossible. It's nothing there. We can have faith in the promises of God, young people that you know have, have happened in your life. I was telling somebody just recently in a counseling session, and I challenged him. I said, hey, I know God works. And I spent the next 20 minutes telling him how God had worked in my life and how God had worked at this place. And I said, I will never doubt at the end of the day. I mean, I might have my human reactions, but I will never doubt at the end of the day that my God is real and my God's promises are true because he's, he's worked them in my life. Faith is believing in the promises of God. You take steps based directly on what God has said. Is that you this morning? Have you taken steps in your life based directly on what God has said? Faith is also believing that the promises of God will work. Today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life. Full stop, period, end of story. Do you believe that? Faith is not a feeling. It is a reliance on God's word, which results in a step of obedience, trust, we'll talk about this, based on something that God has said in his word. Faith is God's reality, not man's reality. Faith is a choice to believe what God has said. Faith is not based on the circumstances around you, no matter how impossible they may seem. Faith, listen carefully, young people, does not complain about what happens in their life. Faith does not blame people for how difficult life has become. Faith trusts, faith obeys, period. Young person, we can, we can seem spiritual. We can have everything looking like it's all in order, but without true, obedient faith, we are nothing. And we will be nothing. Never sat down for a long time and talked it through with my dad, but you've heard Pastor multiple times mention over the years, the men he went to college with, a lot of them aren't even close to the ministry today. The preacher boys, what would you say the percentages of the preacher boys you went to school on? 50%. That generation was a lot stronger than ours, folks. But 50% of the generation thought they were something. They didn't have, the, they didn't have true, obedient faith. Aren't you absolutely thankful for for men of God who did have obedient faith? You've heard Pastor's story and other stories of leaders in our life where at 15, he gave his life to the Lord and he took steps from then on to obey God. Other passages about faith, 2 Corinthians 5 7 For we walk by faith, not by sight. It's the opposite. What is faith? Well, it's not this, it's not what we see, it's not what we feel. It's based on what God has said, even what, whatever may come. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. This passage, actually, let's just turn there. Mark chapter, uh, chapter 9, please. Mark 9. Verse 17, the, it says, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. End of verse 18, I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. And everybody read the next four words. And they could not. The disciples that were with Jesus, who saw Jesus do what he did, could not even bring themselves to have faith to cast out the devil. What does Jesus say? Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? Then he comes and he asks some questions of the of the Father. And he says, If I if thou canst believe, verse 23, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the Father, straightway, right away, just cries out with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm a human. God, I need help. But I'm telling you, I believe. I am trusting you. I am stepping out by faith. God, help me right now. And what did God do? He worked a miracle. Colossians chapter 2. We know this passage as ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in, and rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. You know what is how do we receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Ephesians 2:8. By grace are you saved through faith. We know this. We received Christ Jesus by faith. We got saved this way. Simple faith. And then it's like we forget it. We take a left turn and drop it all out. We, we accept that free gift of salvation, but we struggle in our day-to-day walk to walk by faith. So what is faith? Faith, in its essence, is believing 100% of the time that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And then, as we're going to see here in a few minutes, acting on it. But number two, faith exemplified. We'll move quickly to the last point here. Faith exemplified. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Faith exemplified really comes out in this passage. i want to point out a few of the passages. I'm going to knock the whole, not all of it. We saw the answer here at the beginning of the chapter what is faith? uh, Verse number six talks about the fact that faith, it's impossible to please God without faith. Then, verse number seven, we see Noah, who by faith built an ark in the middle of nowhere with no rain because God said he should. We see in verse 8 that Abraham, and we're going to come back to this passage, this verse in a second, in the next point. But Abraham left his home because God told him to. In verse 11, I'm going to look at this for a little bit more. Verse 11, Sarah received strength to conceive seed. She had faith that at an absolutely, wildly impossible age to have a child, right? You all agree with me on this? Come on now, wake up. Unbelievable. God did something, and she believed it. But it wasn't just her. Genesis chapter fifteen, verse six said, uh, verse five says, he brought him forth abroad and said, "Look now into heaven and tell the stars; that thou be able to number them." And he said unto them, "Him, so shall they see." Be. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord, in the Lord, and he counted to him for righteousness. And he said, and he get, and he said unto him, "I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth, of the Calus to give thee this land to inherit it." Abraham believed. That God would give him that. In Romans 4, verse 19 and 21, he says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. the, the, The Hall of Faith talks about Sarah, but it's really both, Abraham and Sarah. Folks, it was absolutely ludicrous to think that Isaac could come to a 100-year-old lady and man. But God said, I'm doing it. And Abraham said, I believe you. He staggered not. It's that feeling of he's not, he's not, even, he's not even flinching. You ever told something impossible? I know you have, right? And it, your impossibility could be a Greek test. Your impossibility could be a demerit. Your impossibility could be a confrontation with a staff member. Your impossibility could be your roommate or something happening in your life. Your impossibility could be your family. Whatever your impossibility is, when's the last time you got nailed with an impossibility and you did not stagger? You didn't even flinch. You said, thank you, God. I'm believing that what you're doing is for my good and we're going for it. He was strong in faith and he gave glory to God and he was, he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was going to perform it. Young person, you don't have to be the age of pastor or our pastoral staff or the guys who come and preach at conference or whatever. You don't have to be 10 years older to believe that God will do what he says he will do in your life today, right now. Right now. Verse 17, Abraham offered up his son for a sacrifice. We were going through that story with my kids a few weeks ago. Blew their mind. Okay, three year old. God told this man to kill his son. Why? That doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to kill people, okay? Because God told him to. But watch what happens. And it I remember when Lauren and Daniel got so excited that God gave him a ram. God gave him a sacrifice, and it was going to be okay. That's that part of the story, and they were just so excited. You know, it's the only reason that Abraham went up that mountain. It's the only reason that he did that. It's the only reason he strapped Isaac down. It's the only reason he raised his hand to, to actually punch the knife in because he knew at some point God was going to arrest his arm. You know why he knew that? Genesis 15. Folks, he said, you're going to have this many generations. Right? You with me, young people? Come on now. God told him. So he was absolutely persuaded. Hey, my 100-year-old wife had a baby. God told me we're going to have the generations that go as the, as, as the sand in the sea and the stars in the sky. This is going to happen. So God, you're going to do something miraculous here. I'm going all the way through faith, Abraham had that kind of faith. In verse 28, talking about, in Hebrews 11, talking about the, the Passover, the people of Israel had faith to do something very strange, right? To put blood on the doorposts of their door. We talk about it like it's something normal. Would it be normal for you? Go kill a lamb, please, and spread that very yucky, smelly, ugh. Warm, sticky blood on your doorposts. And they go to bed. They did it. And it saved their lives. Verse 29, the passage of the Red Sea, by faith. Verse 30, we're going to get to this story here in just a second, or close to the story. Jericho's walls fell, by faith. David and Goliath, David believed God. David obeyed God, and God worked. Daniel's three friends, the three friends believed God, they obeyed God, and God worked. Elijah at the altar, Elijah believed God, he obeyed God, and God worked. Gideon believed God, he obeyed God, and God worked. And I could keep going and going and going with people in the scripture. And let me tell you, young person, these are not super Christians. You would not pick them out as the all-star cast of, wow, these guys are great. Look at their problems. They're many. They're there. But they knew what it meant to walk by faith every day of their lives. Let me tell you, young person, this is where the rubber beats the road. And this is the third point, faith personalized. Let me tell you where this is, all comes down to this. This is where a bulk of our time will be spent to the end of the message. We can say we have faith. But young person, unless you're obeying God's voice, you do not have faith. You do not believe. Hebrews back to Hebrews 11, verse 8. We're going to launch from here to another passage, but Hebrews 11, verse 8. Look with me, please. We talked about it quickly, and I, came out, I went past it quickly on purpose. But look at verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive, after receive for inheritance, everybody read the next word for me, please. Obeyed. Obey and look at the last part of this this verse, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Some of you, that wouldn't work for you. you like to have your ducks in a row. What if God told you today, right now, to do something out of the ordinary? I want you to drive down Appleton Avenue. Okay, God, I'm waiting. Just drive down Appleton Avenue. Then, I just said drive down Appleton Avenue. God, but you, I don't know what else. Like, I, I, I'm getting anxiety here. I don't know what else is going on. Like, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? I don't know what to prepare for I don't know. How, what am I going to do? Drive down Appleton Avenue. Some of you would be still sitting here at the church going, I, I don't know what to do. God told you to drive down Appleton Avenue. I'm just making up a story, but what if God had somebody down on Appleton Avenue that he wouldn't direct you to? Abraham was told, go, get out of there. Okay, going. The Bible personally puts in this verse that he had no idea where he was going. Like in the sense of, it wasn't like he was given specific directions, the sense that he would just obeyed. Abraham, without question, multiple times as we see, but in this verse, it says the word obeyed. He obeyed God. Young person, true faith is obedient faith. Now, let me say something. You ever notice that the step of faith that God might have for you seems crazy? Hello, good morning. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had this in your life? God tells you something and you're thinking, that that, that cannot be the voice of the Lord. No, it is. Because God's trying to do something. Turn me, please, and I preached this message in this pulpit before, but this is just a, uh, a part of it, and I'm going to get to here, and I believe this is really what God has us to focus on. Joshua 3, please. This is just one of the passages we could have really picked. But Joshua chapter 3, the people of Israel are standing in front of the Jordan River. Yes, that's an impossibility. Let me focus on the positive for a second. Across that river is the promised land, ladies and gentlemen. The people of Israel are literally within striking distance. They can see it, the promised land, what God has promised them. And for 40 years, this generation that's standing there has heard from their parents who are going to die in the wilderness. They have heard that you're going to go here and this is going to be so amazing what God's going to do. Guess the, the generation, you know, obviously complained, but I have a feeling that they kind of, as they got older, pointed their, 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 the, the, the people, their young generation to that. And if you look at a map, by the way, 40 years in that little spot where they were, that's a pretty boring existence. Anybody's ever been to that area of the, of the country, of the world I have? I wouldn't want to travel around 40 years in that area. And then they go up to that that river. They go go on the east side of the river. God could have taken them through all the kings and kingdoms up on the west side of the river and just gone straight into the promised land. No. God wanted that Jordan River at the time of harvest to be right there. So what happens? Verse number five, Joshua talks to the people. He says, sanctify yourselves. Because guess what? Tomorrow, God's going to do something. The Lord will do wonders among you. And he looks to the priest, he says, take take the ark, we're just moving quickly for time here. And then God speaks to him in verse 7, he said, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priest of the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. Look at me, verse 12. Now therefore take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. That the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. Okay, let's just stop for a second. Once again, I love Old Testament narratives because just so much in these narratives but I feel like sometimes we know the story so well we delete the details. Israel crossed the river, knocked down Jericho, game over. Right? No. Here's millions of people, Joshua, and four priests that are holding the ark. Is the ark a very valuable commodity in Israel? Just the most priceless thing that's ever been a part of their nation. And they're holding this ark. And Joshua says to the men, God has given me a command that if the only way that water's parted is if you walk into it. Not just walk up to it. Walk into it. This was not a wading pool, folks. This was not a little creek side that you find out in in a little hike in in the woods. This was a massive Mississippi River type of rushing water that was overflowing its banks because it was time of harvest and it was dangerous. It was literally you step in, you get killed kind of thing. The Red Sea, how did they part the Red Sea? Moses raises, raised his rod. Moses did it. How did the water get parted in the Jordan? Four priests had to agree that God's word was absolutely true and what he said they would do and believe him. So let me just break this down for a second. It is the most definitely the MO so to speak of this generation and it was of mine as well to say well if God didn't tell me then I don't have to do it. Guess who told these four guys what God said? Did God tell them? No, God used a man named Joshua. And young people, these priests, just like Abraham, didn't turn around and go, "Excuse me, you are out of your mind. I'm out. Jedediah, you're on, okay?" No. They went straightway into the water. Young person, I know sometimes it's easy to say, "Well, I don't feel like that." This is what I feel. And you know, that's what happens sometimes with college students. Somebody confronts you. You're in a class, or you're with a teacher, you're with a staff member, you're with a peer, and somebody says, hey, young person, let me challenge you on something. And in your heart or out of your mouth, you say, well, I don't feel that way. That's not what I feel. Let me tell you, let me ask you a question. Is that faith? Well, you say, Mr. Van, they might not be right. I don't care. Do you know God can use imperfect people? If God can use a donkey, people, I'm just listen to me. If God can use a donkey to speak, he can use any one of us. But so many times, let me just tell you, if, let me tell you, literally, this is the symptom of somebody who's not walking by faith. When somebody talks to you and you go, but I, in your heart, if that's the first reaction, you're not walking by faith, young person. I remember the first time That I can remember personally when I was confronted years ago, 15 years ago, by someone who was not in the right spirit. Oh, buddy. And I didn't do anything wrong. person confronts me. The first time ever that I remembered in my life in a situation like that, that I looked at that person and said, you know what? Thank you. Thank you knowing full well that 99.9% of what the person said was literally nothing for me. But there was a, there was a percent that I needed. And I remember walking away from that, 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 that encounter thinking to myself, not, oh, this horrible person. Didn't think that at all. I thought, wow, God, you, you enabled me to believe you for the first time in that situation like that. Now I wasn't Perfect. From there on, not even close, but I will tell you that started a journey of when, when, when in a situation when God was speaking to me through his word, through his preacher, through whoever, through however, that I would listen and open my heart to what he has for me. Joshua was told by God to do something. And Joshua had to turn around and tell these young, young men or older men, I don't know, these priests, This is what God said. And the only way we're getting across here and the only way we're seeing the Jericho fall and the only way we're going to see the promised land to be ours is that we have to get our feet in that water. So let's go. Obedient faith. By the way, it happened, didn't it? The water, massive wall of water, dry ground again. Amazing here. Young person, what hinders us from actually truly experiencing a personalized, obedient faith? Well, I say this in my message on this chapter, but fear of failure is one of the things. You don't want to fail. So you insulate yourself from obeying God, which then takes you out of faith, being faith-filled, and now you're in sin. What does the Bible say? Whatsoever Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if you fear failure and you don't think that God's going to work in your life and you insulate yourself and you pull back, you've just walked into sin and walked away from what God wants in the first place. And young person, I know it can be an intimidating thing to walk into the water. It can be an intimidating thing to sometimes to obey God, to walk down that aisle, to talk to that staff member, to get right with your parents. It can be intimidating to say, you know what, my life is not where God has it to be. Maybe it's hidden sin. Of the major variety or the small variety, both are huge problems. Because it's sin. Why, well, why, why does God lead pastor? Why does God lead my pastor? Why does God do so many things in these men and, and these churches? And it just, I get encouraged when I go to the conference and I, I see these things happening. And man, you know, Pastor Ingram gets up there and raises this money. And then Dr. Seppel gets up and raises this money. And how does this work? And how do pastors just say, I'm going to give this much money? And how do they do this? And why are they going forward for that? How does that all work? Because their life is clean. Or they're in the process of getting it there. And they don't care what it takes. You know, sometimes that step of faith, that impossible step of faith, is just getting right with God about hidden sin. And you're just saying no. Sometimes the attitude that comes out of your mouth is a cover for something else. We all know that, but you've got to come to face-to-face reality with it. Let me just say this. Sometimes you can be such a good kid and live the life of insulating yourself from from having to get right for so long that you can trick yourself into thinking I'm right with God when you're really not. You can rationalize it in there. Except when you come to chapel and preaching times, then you're not really able to rationalize it, right? And you're miserable, and you're sitting here going, I don't want to deal with this, I can't deal with this, and you're like, ah, chapel's over and you put on your goody-goody-two-shoes, right? And you walk out the door. Let's serve God. Folks, you're not going anywhere. You're walking away from the river. You're not walking into the river. You're not going to the promised land. You're not going to see your dreams and and, and visions fulfilled that God's given you. That's not going to happen until the hidden sins out. Complaining heart. When's the last time you actually, when's the last time you complained about anything? I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Walk out this morning to take my daughter to, to the kindergarten. Promptly got smacked in the face by 16 degree weather and complained to my heart. I'll be honest with you. I, I got right with the Lord about it in the car. I was not very happy for a while. I'm freezing. It was dumb me. I was running out the door to get her out there on time. Had my flip flops on, okay? Normally that's okay. About 25 degrees and higher, no problem. But when it gets below 20, it's just that biting wind, okay? whatever and my coats were both in the car i don't know why they were in the car i was cold i was just cold and i was complaining and i had a bad attitude you said that's not a big deal is it who does, who get who makes the weather folks god does if you complain about the weather, you complain about the food, you complain about your roommate, you complain about this and that and the other thing, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, God, is, you're not walking by faith and God is not lining up with you to conquer the promised land, so to speak. It's just not going to happen. A heart of complaining is not a heart of faith. End of story. You can... Talk like you're walking with God. You can act like it, but then if you complain or you have a gossiping mouth that was next on my list or an argumentative spirit with your classmates or your teachers or your parents over the phone, if we were party to your conversations with your parents, how would that go? I'll be honest with you. I had a problem with arguing with my mother. Ask pastor. I got what we call in my house a timeout a lot later in life than I would have normally gotten. It was separated by quite a few years. My father said, enough's enough. You know what? That arguing spirit, whether it comes out of your mouth or it's inside your heart, folks, is absolutely destroying your faith. Young people, it's rotting you from the inside out. What if this guy, let's just name him, Jedediah. Front priest. What if Joshua said step in the water? He turns around and goes, no way. Are you, are you kidding me? Well, what happened? Not that. Maybe another priest would have come, but all of a sudden the spirits of the whole of Israel would have been changed by a man who did not exhibit faith, but exhibited and argumented his spirit. Let me ask you a question. How are you leading up to the Lord when you argue? How are you looking up for the Lord when you gossip about your classmate or about your teachers or about your churches or about your parents? How are you walking by faith and seeing God work when you're complaining? How are you? How are you walking by faith when you have pride in your life? Well, I think better of myself than this. How are you walking by faith when you have a lack of trust with God-given authorities and God's word? It's not just God-given authorities in this, in this generation, folks. There is a lack of trust in what God says in his word. One second, I'll give you like a Gen Z perspective of Joshua 3. You ready for this? God says, step in the water. What would Gen Z do? Yeah, it's, it's a little too tiring. I'm not sure I can do that. Um, I'm going to sit on my beach chair here and just watch it happen. You know, I'm going to build some sandcastles because this looks like a little more fun to do. You know, I have a better idea than drowning this morning. Uh, let's build a bridge across the water. Actually, I have a, definitely a better idea here Let's build some rafts to float across. That'll be even better. You know, I need some time to relax and unwind. I have really earned it. I have. So I'm going to be in the ice cream shop across the street, and I'll be, I'll be watching what's happening, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep updated on my Twitter account, you know? You know, I've had a bad experience with water. I really have. I'm, I'm actually triggered by it. I'll stay home and think about... I'll think about crossing the river a little later, maybe. Some... I, I actually probably won't, but I'll think about it. I'm actually smarter than Joshua, so... I'm going to beat them in a debate about the water crossings and I'm going to argue with the guys that are carrying the ark and we'll see how that goes. Sound familiar, folks? I'm not just saying this room, I'm saying Generation Z across the board and the young millennials as well. Let me tell you something, folks. God is not looking for a debate. God's looking for obedience. End of story. God, did you know God chose to give you imperfect authorities to help you? He gave you imperfect authorities, but he gave you a perfect word. And both are used by God. But I'm telling you, we question both. I can't get, if time's sake, I can't get there, but I gotta, and I gotta hurry. Haggai 1, you can put it down, but Haggai 1, God is not happy with his people. He gave him a command go build my house. Not happening. They're all over the place. What does God tell him? He gives him a very complicated three point outline in Haggai 1. Go into the mountain, get wood, and build my house. They got the point. They got the point because Haggai came there. Let Let me tell you something. If Joshua the priest would not have had the faith to obey God with the crazy command to step into the water, they would have never listened to the same, even crazier command to walk around the city of Jericho 13 times. God's word was fulfilled. And the promises of God came to fruition when there was simple obedience. A.W. Tozer said this God is looking for people through whom He can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. George Mueller, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. A lack of faith in your life shows that you are actually doubting the essence of who God is. You are doubting that God is who he says he is, and you are doubting that he will do what he says you he will do. How can you live your life in a Christian college training for ministry when you've undercut the underpinnings of everything you believe, your salvation, your sanctification, your Christian life. Young people, are you listening to me? If you don't believe God in this promise or in this situation, then you cut it all out. Remember when Harold Vaughn was here, he said, are you right with God or are you not right with God? Or do you believe God or do you not really believe with God? And he gave us, he said, put on a spectrum, put an X on this line where you're at. People were putting it all over the place. He said, you know what? If you didn't put it here or there, you're wrong. You're not here in the middle. You're either walking with God or you're not. I've never forgotten that. Oh man, we love to gray area of the Bible. There's no gray area with God, folks. We may not know where right I know where it is now, but I'll tell you what: I'd rather not stay in the gray area, whether walk with God. Maybe you say, "Well, I'm totally living a faith-filled life. I'm walking with God." Okay, let's see it. I'm not saying that okay, can't prove it. I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying okay, where is it? Because if you are walking with God, we'll see it. Do you want to see Jordan River's parted? Do you want to see Jericho's walls fall? Do you want to see God's house built like Haggai 1? Do you want to see your dreams and visions fulfilled? Do you want to see this country reach for Christ? I think you do. Then do it. Step into the water. Obey your God. Young people, it's time to see obedient Christians, full, immediate, unconditional obedience to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He demands it, and he, my friend, he deserves it. He is your Lord this morning. If he is your Lord, and I believe he is, of all you college students, then with a heart full of, and overflowing with gratitude and love, obey him. Believe God. Step out. This morning, today, right now, obey him. Whatever he has you to do. You're doubting him, you can trust him. He's a trustworthy God. You're struggling to obey, you can trust him. He loves you. You're discouraged, overwhelmed, ready to quit, throw in the towel, you can trust him. He cares for you, he's there for you. He's just waiting for an obedient faith. Charles Spurgeon said this, and we're done. That which the Lord commands, we should do, just that. Not the other thing of our own devising. How very curiously people try to give God something else instead of what he asks for. The, people, the Lord says, my son, give me that heart. And they give him ceremonies. He asks of them obedience, and they give him will worship. He asks faith and love and justice, and they offer 10,000 rivers of oil and the fat of fed beasts. They will give all except the one thing which he will be pleased with. Yet to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. If the Lord has given you true faith in himself, you will be anxious not so much to do a notable thing, listen carefully, as to do exactly what God would have you to do. Do you hear what he said? Mind your jots and tittles with the Lord's precepts. Attention to the little things is a fine feature in obedience. It lies much more as to its essence in the little things than the great ones. Few dare rush into great crimes, and yet they will indulge in secret rebellion, for their heart is not right with God. Hence, so many mar what they call obedience by forgetting that they serve a heart-searching God who observes thoughts and motives. He would have us obey him with the heart, and that will lead us Not merely to regard a few pleasing commands, but to have respect unto all his will. Listen carefully. Oh, for a tender conscience, which would not willfully neglect or presumptuously transgress. Young person, if you're in here, you say, man, I've I've messed up. I have have things in my heart that I got to get right with God. I have steps of faith I have to take, and those steps, of, those steps of obedience are going to be tough, but I need to take them. Then this time, young person. You say, Mr. Van, do you know things? Like, are you preaching from some, note, some things? Yes. I'll be very honest. No, and other things, things that I've heard make me upset. This is going to sound funny. Just like my little kids, when they mess up, it just makes me love them more. I don't know why. Young people, there's a love that God's given me for you all that just, even when you mess up, it's okay. We're here to help and we're going to point you to the Lord. He wants to use you. Did you know that? If he's called you here, if you're confident of that, then what does he want from your life? From his word, from the people around you, peers, authorities, what does he want you to do? He has a plan for your life, But young person. I'm afraid we are living in the life of a lack of faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Are we pleasing God this morning?